Uh, so we're back this week and uh, we're beginning a new series uh, that, that's entitled More Than Enough. We live in a world that constantly tells us there isn't enough um, uh, and, uh, of all sorts of things. And so each week what, we're, what we will be doing is uh, reflecting on how uh, the gospel gives us a different message, uh, a message that says and promises that there is enough. Uh, and uh, today we'll be looking at that through the lens of love. Um, this series will, will culminate on Consecration Sunday, uh, which is November 21st, and we'll have a, a guest preacher that, that morning, um, uh, Reverend Terry Mossholder, who's, who's with us today. Um, he and his wife Shirley have, have uh, become part of our congregation and worshiping with us, and we're, we're uh, glad uh, for them to be there. Something Danny didn't share in the, the stewardship minute is that uh, this program requires churches doing it to have a guest leader and preacher for that day. And, and the reason being is so the preacher and their family can participate in, in this act, this discipleship act of giving and, and pledging like, like the, uh, everyone in the congregation. So I get to be a, a parishioner uh, on that day and, and uh, my, my wife and I will, will get to uh, engage in this discipleship giving act uh, all together uh, with, with you all as a congregation. So uh, just wanted to give you a little look at, at where we're headed and, and um, think about that together. So now let us uh, turn again to God's word as um, we, we turn to the gospel. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together, using um, uh, looking at the 12th chapter of Mark's gospel, beginning with the 28th verse. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Back in college, I remember a uh, very interesting philosophy professor. He had quite a knack for uh, making us laugh while also uh, engaging in very thought-provoking uh, reflection. One day, I remember, he, he wandered into our lecture hall a little late, like professors tend to do, and he was humming a song. And it took me a moment, but I finally recognized it. It was one of the Beatles' most famous songs, All You Need Is Love. After humming for a while, he stopped and he pondered that statement, All You Need Is Love. 
As a fairly cynical guy, he couldn't, un he couldn't stand the statement. To him, it seemed like a flimsy platitude, a mushy, hallmarky sentiment. Can love really, as the Beatles suggest, satisfy the multitude of human needs for survival and flourishing? He went on to say that love cannot possibly satisfy all, what, all one needs. For instance, before long, I'll be hungry and I'll also need a sandwich. I've wrestled with his reflection on this ever since. Now, thankfully, our gospel reading this morning gives us a little different way of thinking about love, a way that transcends all the mushy sentimentality that our culture tends to place on love, but also a way of love that truly has the power to change the world and can, as Lennon and McCarthy once said, McCartney, sorry, uh, love can really be all that we need. In our lesson this morning, Jesus is in the temple. It's the final week of his life on earth in Mark's gospel. Soon he will be arrested, crucified, and will die. He's been teaching in the temple, and a cadre of folks have been coming to him. Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, and the like. All folks of competing religious uh, elite interest groups at the time have been coming to him, asking him questions, engaging in thoughtful dialogue and debate. So after all this, a scribe comes up to him while Jesus was teaching in the temple, possibly to debate or trick or maybe just out of pure curiosity, and asks, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus, being a good first century Jewish man, gives a simple, succinct answer using the go-to text of our Jewish brothers and sisters then as well as today. Uh, and they're the words that we heard in our first lesson from Deuteronomy, known uh, among Jewish folks as the Shema, for the first word in Hebrew in, in the statement, uh, the word that means listen or hear. It says, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This love of God, Jesus says and, and reflects is total. It's all-encompassing. It's of the heart, soul, mind, strength. It is a textbook use of the Greek word here, agape. Agape, love that is unconditional, limitless, unbounded, a love that cannot remain only in the heart, but also must be embodied in one's mind, soul, might, strength. We tend to think of love as a simple feeling. What theologian Reinhold Niebuhr would critique as a sentimentality. You know, the stuff of greeting cards and cheesy commercials. It's easy to see how this kind of superficial, flimsy love cannot possibly encompass all one needs, as the Beatles song goes. But love... This kind of agape, unconditional love of the heart, soul, mind, and strength is a total limitless love that cannot be bound in mere feelings. It must be acted out. It must be lived out. It's this kind of love that can move mountains, and it's this kind of love that can change the world around us. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't leave it just with the love of God. He goes on to say the second commandment. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Together, these two statements from Jesus summarize essentially the Ten Commandments. The first three commandments deal with the proper love of God. In the middle there, you have this, the commandment to Sabbath, to rest. The final six commandments, though, deal with and concern the love of our neighbors. What's interesting, though, is that the love of God with heart, soul, mind, and strength is matched by love of one's neighbor. And it's the very same word used here. It's the very same use of the Greek word agape. Both our love of God and of neighbor is agape love. We are called to unconditional, limitless, total, and all-encompassing love. To love God and our neighbor with everything we have. Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves with this total, limitless love even and perhaps especially our neighbors who have different opinions than us, who vote for different candidates, who come from different cultures, who speak different languages, who come from different faith traditions. Jesus tells us to love these neighbors as ourselves with this agape, limitless, all-encompassing love. As I said before, friends, it's this kind of limitless love That cannot remain a simple feeling, but it's lived out, it's acted out, it's embodied in your very being. And it's this kind of love at work in the world that can move mountains and change the world around us as we know it. So friends, if this love of God and neighbor is supposed to be all-encompassing, if it's truly supposed to be agape, being of everything we have, to everybody we encounter as well as God, it can feel a bit overwhelming. In our world that's dominated by a mindset of scarcity, by a mindset that says there isn't enough and then turn that we are not enough, it's easy to think that our love of God and neighbor also will not be enough. Surely a broken person like me possibly can't do all this, right? My favorite line in this exchange, though, happens uh, when after the scribe affirms Jesus' statement about the all-encompassing love of God and neighbor, Jesus tells him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After this, Mark says, maybe a little comically, I have a little laugh when I read it, but after this, no one dared to ask Jesus another question. Maybe this is because the religious elite felt that they had exhausted every possible question and were unsuccessful at tripping up Jesus, this radical upstart rabbi in their midst. But perhaps, Mark tells us the question stops because these religious officials finally found the answer they had been seeking, that love has the power to bring us closer to God's reign. That love has the power to bring us to a world, not as it is, but to the world as God would have it to be. When we love God and neighbor with everything we have, when love is our very motivating force, our reason of being, we can be sure, as Jesus says to the scribe, that we are not far from the kingdom of God. The kingdom is not just something in the future, in the sweet by and by, it is Jesus tells us that it's something that can be lived into and experienced here and now. How? Love. 
when we love, when we even just strive to love God and neighbor, even though we will surely fall short as broken people in this effort, when we do this and when we strive towards this, Jesus tells us that we are not far from living into God's reign on earth. It's almost as if Jesus tells us that trying and striving to love God and neighbor more and more is itself enough. Doing so makes a difference in this world, and it can bring us closer to God's reign, to the world as God would have it be. And we know what this kind of mountain-moving, transformational love looks like, because Jesus himself is this love. He embodies it. He, he is the, his very being is this kind of love. Friends, we know what it looks like. This love looks like Jesus. As his disciples, when we seek to live this love out, even though we will fall short, it can be enough. This love can be enough to move mountains and to change the world. Catholic scholar William Cavanaugh told a story about a woman he met while living in Santiago, Chile, named Rosalinda. Rosalinda lived in a small wooden shanty with her mother, and their very modest income came from the potholders. The two of them would crochet together and sell at the marketplace in their neighborhood. When Rosalinda first welcomed William into her home, she presented him with a small crocheted bird. Uh, that was meant for grasping hot uh, tea, tea kettle handles. Kavanaugh's instinct as a well-off American was to open his wallet and to pay Rosalinda. But after thinking about it for a second, he knew that would be wrong. It was a gift, after all. He reflects that money would have turned this gift into an exchange, and it would reestablish the social boundaries between them. Instead, Rosalinda offers him the small bird as a gift of love. A gift that represents a total love from her hands, her heart, and from her very livelihood. This expression of love, friends, was enough. This gift and expression of love transcended the barriers between them and their cultures that allowed them to be in fellowship and friendship together. It was a reminder for Kavanaugh and for all of us that our expressions of love for God and neighbor have the power to change the world from a place where there's never enough to a place where all are fed, all are welcomed, and most importantly, where all people are loved for who they are for who God made them to be. God's love is enough. Our love for God and for one another can be enough. Friends, it's as simple as that. This radical, all-encompassing love has the power to change the world, to move mountains, and transform the world as we know it more and more into the very reign of God what the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called the beloved community. Though we'll stumble at times, and be sure we will stumble, may we seek to live faithfully into these two commandments that set us on a path of radical, all-encompassing love of God and neighbor 
fully giving of ourselves, of our very selves, to each other in a spirit of solidarity and grace. May it be so, friends. Amen.